welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Light Seekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Light Seekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back to episode 53 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. This week we're picking up with an interview that I recorded a few weeks ago. It's important to note that this interview was actually recorded before episode 52, so before we had Carl on, before we knew kind of what was going on with the core box and all that type of stuff. So there's a lot of speculation going on in here and things that we we would like to see, things that we thought might happen, and some things we have answers to now. So you'll have to excuse those conversations as like I said they happened before that episode actually happened so this was shortly after PAX Unplugged this is an interview with Vince we've had him on before winged weasel he goes by in the app in in, in tournament play and such this is shortly after PAX Unplugged that the tournament that he won there and I'm, I'm very happy to have him back on to tell us what he was able to do in this last tournament before we get into our new classic constructed mode uh, here in January. Speaking of upcoming tournaments, though, the upcoming tournament for Delivery Crab in January is going to be on January 19th in Mooresville, Indiana. This is going to be hosted by White Flag Games. It is still a Delivery Crab tournament, which means that there will be the two times multiplier on there for your Light Seekers points. It means that I will be providing all the prize support as usual, but I have a challenge for all of you out there. We want to keep these Delivery Crab tournaments growing. We had a record number of people attend our tournament last December in Ohio. Thank you for everyone who came out to that one. We our our record number right now is actually just 15 people, but I was very happy with that turnout. And I think we can get bigger and bigger as we go on here. I've mentioned it in a few posts uh, on the blog and social media and such that not only will you be able to earn Light Seekers points at these Delivery Crab tournaments, but we'll also be talking about delivery crab points which are going to be very similar to light seekers points it's just my own specific brand and we will be rewarding players at the end of each season or possibly at the end of each month i think too we'll we'll see how 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 this goes exactly but players who have earned the the most amount of points uh, we'll get into specifics about what you can win and such later on, but just know that that is coming. We will be awarding those points already in January. But the other thing that has recently been announced on the site is the addition of pincer points. These are it's kind of a rewards type program. So whenever you buy something from Delivery Crab, you're going to earn these pincer points, and you can use them for discounts on future purchases. These these points, though, these pincer points, you will also be able to earn at these tournaments. You will you will get points automatically just for for signing up or for attending the tournament as a player but you will the the better you do in these tournaments the more points you'll be able to earn so we have all that going on but i i figured it still might be worth it to offer a little bit more incentive so indiana here is my challenge for you if we can get at least 10 people in attendance playing in this tournament i will give all all the players there a free 50 card grab box of light seekers cards but 
That's not all. If we can get a new record, so we need at least 16 players at this tournament. If we can get at least 16 players, in addition to that 50-card grab box, I will give every player a free booster pack of Kindred cards. And I figured it might be good to add one kind of stretch goal, something that's kind of out of the box. It's still ultimately attainable, but it's going to take a little work to get there. And that's where I'm saying if we can get 30 players at this Delivery Crab Indiana tournament in January, then I will give everybody, every player in attendance there, $5 store credit on top of the grab box, on top of the booster pack, you will also get $5 store credit to deliverycrab.com. So all those prizes, I mean, not exactly prizes, they're more just giveaways, all those you get for just showing up and playing in the tournament, depending on how many we get people, we get to show up and play. So go out, make sure your friends know about the tournament, all your Lightseekers players, tell their, tell your friends, make sure they show up January 19th. If you, if you don't have friends that play, teach your family members, you, mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter, wh- whatever it is, teach them how to play. You have roughly three weeks yet and then make sure they show up that's all you have to do make sure they show up at this tournament get them to play in the tournament it, it we, we have a good time anybody who's been to a delivery cap tournament i think will agree that we have a good time at these tournaments so get them to show up break some records get some free stuff and i really hope to see y'all there In any case, that's the future. We're going to jump back into the past a little bit. Like I said, this episode was recorded a few weeks ago, shortly after PAX Unplugged. It is with our champion, Vince, and he's going to walk us through his deck and talk through some of the Lightseeker's future, as we may or may not know it right now. As always, the show notes for this episode can be found at DeliverCrab.com slash 053. That's DeliverCrab.com slash 053. That's all I got for you now. Let's jump into the interview. And we've had him on one time before, but it's time to welcome back Vince. How are you doing tonight, Vince? I'm doing well. What about you, Matt? I'm doing well as well. Awesome. So we just got back uh, fairly recently from PAX Unplugged. And boy, are my arms tired. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, there was a lot of stuff going on there. I, I honestly think it was another great event for Lightseekers. Absolutely. So I, I, I'm glad to see that people are still out there. People are still playing. People are still amped up to learn about new games. So yep. like Lightseekers is actually in a good place right now, I think. And coming up in January, February, whatever we're talking about here with the new set and the quote-unquote rotation that's happening it's it's all i think moving in the right direction absolutely i mean we were talking about it both you and i specifically as well as everyone else at the event i think enthusiasm overall is really high Mm -hmm. which is encouraging because it from we talked about the last time i was on the show uh i've had been playing games for a lot of years now and it's very easy especially in today's age with the internet of kind of a a downward spiral it's like any news of any kind it doesn't matter and people are chicken littling all over the place whereas (laughs) this has been the opposite all the news that 
Play Fusion has put out, everyone goes, that is amazing. And they can't, they're, they're you know, chomping at the bit to, to get it. Yeah, Whether it's it, a new set, the rotation, whatever. Exactly. The only problem is it's not here soon enough. Yeah, exactly. It's like, they gave us the news and we like it, but why isn't it here yet? Yes, but oh. just like Christmas, it'll be there eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's coming. No yep. worries about that. So, PAX Unplugged, we had our first big tournament. I mean, I've, ha- I've had some little delivery crap tournaments here and there, but this is the first big tournament that we've had in quite some time, honestly, since Nationals, really. Right. Uh, and it's even more exciting for me because I get to play in these tournaments. I'm not running them. <laughs> I get to play yeah, in yeah. them. But you got to play in this one as well, and for all intents and purposes, you came out the champion once again. Yes. Well, I would like to chalk it up to I played so well or I designed such an awesome deck, but I think there was a confluence of factors that we can get into when we get into the specifics that <laughs> I'll, I'll openly admit I got a little bit lucky in a, a couple rounds, but it yes, it worked out overall in my favor. Well, I mean, can't complain about that, really. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Believe me, no complaints to be had from me. Sure. So as our champion, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your deck and uh, how you feel about it? Sure. So kind of like you said, we haven't had any major tournaments, at least on the U.S. or in the U.S. since Nationals. That being said, there have been a few larger events over in the U.K. So I think a lot of us, I know I personally kind of took a a break from gaming in general after Gen Con because it was this huge build up to this amazing event. And then it's okay, I need a vacation for my vacation. <laughs> so um, it, I had to get back into you know going to work and doing all that kind of thing again. So I actually started prepping for this event with, speaking of, one of the other Delivery Crab events. And I played something wildly different there that we could probably get into later if we want to. Sure. But uh, this deck, I borrowed slash stole from uh, Jaeger Noon <laughs> over in the UK. I didn't speak with him directly this time. But it's very, very similar to what he placed second with, I think, in one of the Heroic Starfish events. So this is, if people aren't familiar, it's a granite build. Uh, Granite is one of the things that is going to be going the way of the Dodo Mm -hmm. in the near future. But for the time being, I, I actually tested a lot of granite going into nationals. And I was really close to playing it, but I was kind of concerned about both time limits and making sure that I could squeeze everything out of every round. So I ultimately left him by the wayside, although I was expecting a lot of them there. And it turns out there weren't a whole lot as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, there are a lot more dolos and granites when absolutely. when it came down to it and people had to decide which mountain hero to play. That, that's the direction they went. So leading into this event uh my wife and i were testing a lot she loves playing aggro she's very good at playing aggro which for anybody out there that thinks that aggro is just you know brain dead play style no there's there's a lot that goes into it and i don't know how she does it but she has mastered it uh and that's her thing so the reason i bring that up is because anything else that i lined up against her zuna build was getting thrashed just demolished so uh Literally up until 11.30 p.m. the night before PAX Unplugged, I was trying desperately to make Howlock the Founder and Edda of the Depths and uh, my Asavok list and a bunch of other things work. Yeah, 
couldn't get it to work. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go with kind of an old standby. I hadn't gotten to play the deck in an actual tournament yet. So that's where this came into being. It, like I said, it's very similar to Jaeger Noon's list. The, the main tweaks that I had, as it turns out, at 11.45 at night, <laughs> that I don't own a Storm Shell. <laughs> so I went, sure. well, that's a little awkward. So I kind of walked it back a couple steps to essentially an older version where it leans heavier into tech. Specifically here, I'm splashing for T-Rex Fixer. I'm splashing for Emergency System. As you would imagine, this lines up significantly better than most other builds against those Dolos, those Zunas, those mm-hmm. Tempest builds. So I was kind of expecting everyone in this, not everyone, but a lot of people to say, hey, tech can run a whole bunch of cards that deal six, like three play sets of things that deal six as basic actions. So yeah. why not play tech? This happens to line up very well, like we were saying. So that's kind of where this came into being. That's fair. I mean, you got your pretty standard mountain lineup, I think. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, it's leaning towards card draw and defense, I think. Absolutely. Uh, but then, okay, you splash in a little tech, which, once again, is just more defense. It's slightly stronger defense, typically. Yes. But because you have to splash into it, you don't want to lean too heavily on it. Absolutely. Then you also have... A tiny bit of nature. Yes, so that actually, I really like this splash, and I liked the item, which is Pearl of Ashwood. It's the the basic soul item. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to call it a ring, but item <laughs> is really the appropriate term. So it's draw a card at the start of your turn if your enemy has seven or more cards in their hand. Now, somebody out there may go, well, that doesn't sound great against aggro yep yeah that happens but that being said sometimes dolo and zuna drawing two or three cards a turn can get up there and every once in a while you'll you'll get a free card however in the control matchup so against opposing granites or things along those lines it's not uncommon for your Mm -hmm. opponent to be sitting on seven to twelve cards yeah yeah like i said it's straight up mirror match with granite like you I mean, you're both going to be sitting there with big hands, probably. So that's it, you're just drawing oh, yeah. your deck faster. Well, even aside from that, the way I've been looking at it, and I've been looking at a number of other cards from Kindred in this fashion. So if I told you there was an item that gave you three, gave you an extra action every turn, <laughs> play it, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So this one is is pretty close to that because I mean, yes, you're limited in what that action is, but you're mm-hmm. drawing it at the start of your turn. So now you you have more options going into that turn instead of waiting. Yeah. And obviously it's advancing the whole granite game plan of, well, I want my whole deck in my hands so I can just, you know, thrash you with 17-point combos and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also adds something cool, which I really liked when I saw it in uh, Jaeger Noon's list and then obviously when I was playing it, is getting access to Root Singer. Yeah. So you naturally have a whole bunch of buffs that are going to be floating around out there for a while. Things like mountain forts, things like exterior defenders your opponents don't want to walk into. So it's not uncommon for you to, or and even in any of those aggro tech matchups, they don't even run any buffs, maybe bombling. So, okay, Root Singer gets back your two best cards. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, t- let me tell you, the number of times I was able to Root Singer back a T-Rex Fixer 
and something against aggro and you could just see like the light behind their eyes start to dim uh <laughs> it uh it felt good on my side i'm sure it wasn't didn't feel that great on the other side mm-hmm. other than that i mean did you really feel yourself changing how you played granted at all or is it still kind of play the same even though like y- you have a few tricks up your sleeve it does open some additional lines of play having these splashes. So to go back to the Jagernoon build briefly, he was also running storm shells. Yeah. So obviously you get a whole slew of potential options, which actually worked against me in round one that I'll get into in a second. But having the ability to root singer something back does actually allow you to be a little more aggressive with certain things or try and set up a certain line of play that you otherwise might not be able to naturally you're reliant on either finding that pearl naked or finding it with a blacksmith but it tweaks it a little bit but overall the game same game plan is still effectively the same stay alive get powered up become superman and start you know like throwing cars and buildings at people (laughs) that's fair Uh, although like i said round one it definitely so I played against Tetra round one in a granite mirror. He was running a net decked version and he had offhandedly mentioned that he wasn't sure about uh, why certain cards were in the board. And it was, it's not rap. I'm trying to remember what it was. It's a, it's an action card from kindred one, 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 your opponent can't draw more than rotation number of cards. So basically oh. I could only draw one card a turn. Yeah. The raging river. That's what it was, Raging River. I would, I thought it was Raging Rapids, and that, that was <laughs> in my head. I'm like, that's not it. Yep. He was able to play that out of the board against me. Let me tell you how much that changed the matchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a game it where you're just trying to draw as fast as possible. Yep. Yeah. So that's where, when I was alluding to earlier, where I was pretty fortunate. So game one, I hit, I think, all three of my ancient miners because he never saw a leech early on Mm -hmm. i was able to ancient miner and basically chain them because they dug for more miners as well as leeching his miners so i (laughs) i think i emptied my deck when he still had like around 20 cards left sure so it was he almost survived it too to his credit like he was able to soak and heal enough damage uh game two the raging river or uh, raging rapids rather came down or yeah raging river was raging river yep yes i keep saying it wrong (laughs) but that got slammed on the board i picked it up and looked at it i'm like well that's a problem (laughs) that game got dragged out he eventually took it and then we went to time game three as it seems granted is want to do yes and in that i i think if we had full time i'll be honest it still seemed like a toss-up like i I think either of us could have taken it because we were both getting to that point where there were almost no cards left. So we're both going to start slinging really heavy haymakers at each other. Yeah. Uh, the remainder of the event, I lined up against a lot of aggro. And as we, not to be a broken record, but <laughs> this does pretty good against aggro. Sure. The base deck, I'm assuming, kind of does well against aggro. So yes. once you get past game one, do you really side in much or do you, you kind of go with it? In this particular case against aggro, I did not. So my side deck was kind of a hodgepodge because, again, 
it was almost midnight the night, literally the night before the tournament. Yeah. And I'm looking at it and going, I don't actually own all the cards for this. So <laughs> I was uh, trying to cobble things together. For example, the Unruly Mob does not probably need to be there. It almost certainly doesn't need to be there. But I did board it in. Usually I'd board out Crystal Leech or, you know, depending on what it was, what I'm playing against, that is. Mm -hmm. So that that way I could get in just a little bit more, you know, it's one other thing. Plus protecting Unruly Mob with Exterior Defender can make it super awkward for them. Yeah. The Crushing Chargers naturally were humongous and the Kreeble Jester were humongous in the Granite Mirror. But beyond that, there wasn't... Against aggro, I don't picture you really need to board at all. You really need to gear your board much better than I did for the Mirror and for other mid-range or control decks. Because when I was playing Sicario into Granite, that was a matchup where I felt I was in a decent spot. Mm -hmm. All the, the pressure from buff damage... You know, you have leeches, you have healing, but they're going to get there eventually, and probably you're not going to be able to race. It's your deck against your life total, almost. Sure. Um, so if you can, if anybody out there is planning on playing Granite pre-rotation, then you definitely want to prepare more for those sort of matchups than aggro. Like, barring catastrophe, you should be beating aggressive decks. <laughs> That's good to keep in mind, yeah. All right, so do you have, I guess, any last words about Granite before uh, we, you have to give him up? I'll be honest, I'm okay with him going away. <laughs> it's definitely a fun deck to play. Oh, yeah, it has I been. Think, I think it's an interesting deck to play against if you are not aggro. So then your decisions matter, and it really is trying to beat the clock. So let's say Sicario is favored against Granite. I in the grand scheme of things, personally, I think it is, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm fully, I will fully admit that. But it still makes it, you have interesting decisions to make to say, okay, am I going to shadow puppet their minor? Or do I need to save this for something later on, depending, are they running some weird thing? Uh, how do I force them to try and do certain things to make sure that Geode Hatchling isn't getting back what I don't want them to get back? You know, try to bury something, mm -hmm. which also going back just briefly, the uh, Root Singer helps alleviate some of that. If something gets, you know, stashed under another card and you don't want it to be there, so that way you can try and dig things out. Yeah. I think those matchups are interesting. I think long term, game health wise, because of how oppressive this feels, this matchup feels playing it from the aggro side, it's, it's, really better <laughs> for everybody involved i'll be honest yeah it's shown its power time and time again and i think it's just time for it to go yeah what, one thing i would say in its defense not to cut you off matt i'm yeah, sorry that's fine. I, the actual hero power so yes the number the actual numbers on the card are are too high like mm -hmm. at five as a buff it's too strong yeah but i think the mechanic of caring when your deck is empty is really cool, mm -hmm. and I hope that that comes back. Well, I mean, we, we've already seen that in at least one other hero, Realgar, Relgar, whatever it is. Yes, yeah. There are other heroes that that they're they're kind of watching that you know when your deck is empty type of thing. And actually, in Kindred, we've seen a couple of cards, action cards that care when either your deck is empty or your opponent's deck is empty. 
Yep. And so like that's something that I think that they're keeping an eye on and yes. they, they want people to play around with somewhat. But right. it, it'll be interesting to see where people are able to take that in the future. Yeah, the the fact that this game it because it's kind of bog standard that most other games are your deck is empty, you lose. It's effectively the time limit so that the game will eventually end. Yeah, I mean, that was news to me, obviously, because like I said time and again, this is the first card game I've really gotten into. So Mm -hmm. things like that that are, you know, kind of written in blood, it's like, this is how it should be. I had no idea. It's like, well, no, this is how it is in Lightseekers. If it's different elsewhere, I couldn't have told you. So Exactly. Well, that's exactly why I think it's interesting. Those sort of things that are unique to this game aside from just being cool in general i feel (laughs) it's going to be awesome if the play fusion team leans into it even further yeah because it is unique to this game so why not play around with it break your own rules to some extent yeah because that's half you know the card design is set up the rules and then knock them back down like it's some kind of carnival game how i start explaining any tabletop game to people it's like these are the rules, but then you see this deck of cards or the, these this stack of tiles over here, they break all the rules I just told you about. Yep. And that's the fun of the game. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be exciting because there's, like you said, there are a number of other cards that key off of this sort of mechanic, for lack of a better way to call it. But there's a lot of other things in Kindred and hiding in Mythical, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> that I'm, I can't wait to tr- to try and bust some of these things out. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I wholeheartedly believe that the only reason we haven't seen more from the mythical and kindred cards that the, these hidden cards that we're talking about yeah. is just because they felt so underpowered compared to a lot of the cards that were in Awakening. Right. That once again comes back to this is why the rotation is good. Yep, exactly. I mean, like you said, the fun part of card games is often building up the rules and then, you know, it's like cr- crushing a sandcastle at the beach. Yeah. You know, it's fun to build it, but it's also fun to just run through it. Uh, and it's the same sort of thing with the rules for the game. The problem is, yeah, Awakening may have uh, not only crushed the sandcastle, but like buried it in cement <laughs> for some <laughs> of the things. Because um, my wife and I were talking about it the other day. In a lot of scenarios, you'd brought up Dolo earlier. So if you want to play an aggressive mountain hero, mm-hmm. why why are you not playing Dolo? Yeah, you, you got to have a really good reason. And right now, it's just it, it's very tough. And I can certainly understand the design team wanting to go this route, the rotation route, because otherwise, it's well, do we go over the top of Dolo? Because that's probably not going to feel good. Yeah, and that's another reason, like. People always warn you, you know, watch out for the power creep. And it's like, that's exactly what they would have to do. And things just get out of hand too quickly. Exactly. Whereas we get rid of this first set that wasn't quite where it needed to be in the long term and come back to these other great cards that they've already produced now and make them kind of our base. Right. And, and grow from there. Like that's going to make a much better future. I don't know about you, but I've been trying desperately and I haven't figured it out yet. What information or what signals can be found and what was retired. Um, So for example, ancient miners going, okay. What does that tell us about what play fusion thinks mountain should or should not be able to do? (laughs) Or is it just a general card draw thing? Or is it 
this or is it that? It, it, you know, it, I like speculating. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of something I have been looking at a little bit. I haven't gone into it, you know, spent hours at a time looking at it. But oh, yeah. Like one of the things I noticed is basically all of our buffs that increase damage, right? Right. So your Colossal Ritual Site, your Storm Shaman, your Putrid Shaman, those are all going. Except, except Skyward Observatory, because it was reprinted in Mythical. Yes. Well, you have an oddball one in nature that still exists. Which one's that? uh, It came out of Kindred, though. It wasn't a reprint. Uh, Citadel Musician. Yes, yes. I remember that one only because I've been desperately trying to make it work or was trying to make it work with Maniacal Machine and Time Chamber before you know <laughs> rotation came in. And that now is that's changing. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> I digress. Yeah, but you see that that's that's the difference is we're still gonna have those because I I think is the Alchemy Lab still valid as well? I don't think so. I actually have the database up now, so I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna look. <laughs> uh legal it is not going to be sticking around. Okay. Because it actually mentions power on the card, so I guess they would have to mm, reprint it. Yeah, that would be one. I mean, it'd end up in the core set with the reprint, I think, right, if, it, right. if it was sticking around. But in any case, the way Citadel Musician exists yet, it, or why they felt comfortable printing it, I, I feel, is because it only increases things by one. Yes. Right? Whereas these other ones, I mean, Storm Shaman, ridiculous increase by four you can make a kill it feels very and i think this is where you're going with it a lot of those cards felt very binary where it's they don't have a shadow puppet this turn Mm -hmm. i win if they do i i mean you don't lose but you know it sets you back a significant amount but it really was you have to have this removal right now yep and you only have one turn like you had to get it last turn Yep. The only thing would be is if you have one of those draw heroes, if you're playing Dolo, yep. you can draw two cards on your turn and you're going to take that risk even if you get hit for two or three with the errata out there. Like, you're going to take that risk because it's your only chance. Absolutely. And if it's not in those cards, it's not in those cards. But yeah, it, it very much is because uh, once that Storm Shaman turns, I mean, that's why I loved, if I pick up two Storm Shamans, I'm like, all right, we'll play one of them. I don't care if it gets removed because that's probably the only removal card you have in your hand. So I play the next one right after it. Yep. And I'm still going to get all, all my damage that I want. But yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And e- even in orders that had lower damage output, like Dread, right? But that's why you had the Putrid Shaman who... You know, only increased by two, but had another corner that increased by a three. And so you have a little bit longer to remove it. But if, if, if it gets to stick around for both those corners, you're going to have a hard time staying alive. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a real bad day and it's probably not going to end well for you. It got even worse with Sicario because then oh. they get around that, you know, they break that rule where mm. you can only play one of them per turn. And I actually ran into that at this most recent tournament at PAX. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I Sakarried out two putrid shamans and I'm like, well, that's game. Yeah, that's that's really mean. Again, it feels real great, kind of like I was talking about with Granite before. It feels great when you're doing that. Not so great when you're on the other side of the table. And yeah. I can appreciate that they're ratcheting the power level back. 
especially for those things. But that also gives them the opportunity to grow it again in future yes. sets, but more organically, mm-hmm. in, more incrementally. So it's not, oh, well, we'll just jump up to Storm Shaman 2.0, where it has three corners that are, four, <laughs> you know, something crazy. No, it's going to be, okay, well, maybe it's two across two corners, but something else happens or whatever. Yeah. It It gives you... A little bit more breathing. One of the other mechanics that that I've seen in a couple of the Kinder cards too that is where they play off if you have multiple copies of it out. Yes, I actually like that a lot. Yeah, and so they they kind of build up off each other and gives you a reason to have multiple in the deck, gives you a reason to play multiple of them, and not just there's always going to be that fear that oh they're going to get removed, but it, it gives you more of a reason I guess to play multiple of them. As opposed to just holding them in your hand and kind of feeling like they're dead cards. Well, a lot of these two will introduce, I think, interesting decision points. So I'm looking at Steadfast Beacon because that was actually a card I was considering, you know, tweaking the granite list with, and I was definitely running in some of the Howlock lists and mm-hmm. uh, Etta. Yep. And because so, let's say I have out two Steadfast Beacons and then something else, even if it's only one other something else, and my opponent plays a two buff removal guard you know your standard shadow puppet your standard crystal leech that sort of thing yeah there's actually an interesting decision to be made on their end of okay do i really do i want to pop both these beacons because the important part of reducing the damage will stay active yeah or do i is that other thing more important you know that now they're it's not just okay well i flip over a buff removal i'm just going to eliminate the obvious thing now it may not be so obvious yeah and, and that's why i mean with the exception of you know your crazed bomber which can take three and your thunder slug which can take three over two turns if you let it stick out there it, i've always loved you know starting your buff chain by just putting one buff out there yep they don't remove it they're probably not going to remove it because no one wants to waste a full buff removal in, oh, uh, no. it, unless yeah. you're in nature up of course when you only get to remove one at a time yeah. anyway but, you know, you start with a one and then you jump to three and then they're all of a sudden in that kind of panic. It's like, oh, no, now I can only remove two of these and there's still one left. And then next turn, they're going to put more out. And then it's a kind of a downward mental spiral for them. Right. And yeah. it, it's it's just a great way to, to get going. And cards like like your Steadfast Beacon make it all the better to play around with it. Absolutely. Again, you and I talked about this. I talked with a number of people at PAX about just, you know, hypothesizing a number of things. And without knowing Uprising and what the contents are, we're not even into spoiler season right now when yeah. we're recording this. So it we're I mean, we're getting there, but we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a lot of people already, you know, again, chomping at the bit to try and figure out, okay, well, what am I gonna play? But Literally any card in Uprising could turn everything upside down. So, yes, there are themes that we can look at, and I know I'm excited for a number of things already, just based on strictly mythical and kindred, not mm-hmm. even counting stuff that's sticking around or the new items or anything. Uh, but we don't know Uprising is going to bring, and I think that's part of the excitement is, again, it's like waiting for Christmas. Absolutely. You got all these presents waiting under the tree. You just got to <laughs> wait a little bit longer to open them. Yeah, there's honestly no way to sneak a peek at this point. Yeah. All right. Well, that got a lot deeper than I was expecting, but I loved it. <laughs> yes. In any case, uh, coming back a little bit to PAX, did you 
get to play in any of the other Lightseekers events at PAX? Unfortunately, no. We uh, did stop by, at least briefly. We didn't want to interrupt anybody, but saw some of the drafts that were going on. Mm -hmm. And then we stopped by. One thing I wanted to point out, we're walking through the exhibition hall. Naturally, we go by the Lightseekers area. And let me tell you, that place was packed almost every time. Well, I think literally every time we walked past it, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of Which was probably a lot because it was (laughs) right by the entrance. Oh, yeah. Which, to go back to what we were saying earlier, it's exciting because now those people are hopefully going to be excited be like oh well it's another benefit of the rotation not to drag it back to that but these people that they they don't look at oh well there's two years worth of cards and then these cards were what everybody's playing it's oh well a rotation's coming i can get in on ground zero yeah and get right in so all of those new players are hopefully going to start showing up at stores as new players and everybody's on equal footing yeah, and, and honestly, that's why I love that they said right off the top, like, we're coming out with the core set, too. Yep. It's not just a new set and getting rid of a bunch of cards. The core set's coming out. So anybody who is just getting into it now can catch up with all these cards that we do have already that are sticking around. Right. So, yeah, unfortunately, to bring it back to your original mm-hmm. question, I didn't get to play in a lot of the, the other Lightseeker stuff. I made it a point. We built our entire Friday schedule around making sure that we were able to hit that early tournament. Um, but from there, we were kind of just hanging around and, and catching up with people that yeah. we hadn't been able to see since Nationals. Makes sense. For the record, though, if anyone does ever have a chance to play at a Lightseeker's draft, I, I think I might enjoy those events more really? than, than some of the other championship events even. Like, it just gives you a chance to think about deck building a little bit differently. And, I mean, the format, the rules are tweaked slightly to make it work, obviously. But it's, it, it gives you a chance to actually play cards that you would never play otherwise, I feel, right. at this point. And, and, and sometimes it's because that's the card you got, the card you got stuck with, whatever. But sometimes it's, it actually, with the adjusted rules, it works better in draft. Right. So I highly recommend it for anyone who gets a chance, whether it be oh. at a convention or if, if store, I don't know if stores are going to start running them or not, but it would be something that I highly recommend. And I would echo that as well, although I didn't get to play in it this at this past convention mm-hmm. i know especially from other games that playing draft because of exactly what you said that you play with cards that you normally wouldn't you'll see interactions that you normally wouldn't yeah. it actually helps feed your constructed play mm-hmm. so for people out there that aren't familiar with it or maybe new or you're hearing draft you're like what are they talking about it's a different way to to use the cards that you open in packs instead of just showing up with a deck. And as a result, you can learn a lot more about yourself playstyle-wise, about what you prefer, and then, again, also card interactions that you can then take and use those lessons to build better, stronger, more competitive builds, or even more fun things. Hey, maybe you stumble on something weird, and you're like, that would make a really fun constructed deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you, you run across something that will actually work in a constructed deck. Yeah. And it, that's exactly what has happened with mm-hmm. in other games that I played, and I I want to do more Lightseekers drafts so that I have the chance to do it here as well. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I I will put the caveat out there that you will probably lose horribly in your first draft because <laughs> you will undoubtedly forget some type of card. Like you'll get so uh hyped up, you know, just drafting all this damage reduction or th- these cool utility cards and completely forget to draft damage. I, I, that I, does like, happen. <laughs> I've, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. They, that they, is they, true. You look through the deck at the end, and it's like you had like ten points of damage in here. How how are you going to kill me? And yeah, the, that the, is a very real risk. Yeah. the The other one is buff removal. If you see buff removal, grab buff removal. Oh yeah, that, because that's that's, that's one happen. thing that's hard to guarantee. Now it was kind of nice at this one. They were also handing out some of the the Halloween promos. Which are guaranteed buff removal. <laughs> so everybody had nice. at least one. But other than that, I mean, the, the kindred packs don't have any standard buff removal. Only the mythical ones do. That's a good point. I didn't, I hadn't thought of that until yeah. you just mentioned that now. Yeah. We made a point of pointing out because we played with, uh, three kindred and two mythical packs. And so when we're on those two mythical packs, like those are your two chances to get buff removal. I mean, there was plenty of it in those packs, as you know, how the, the reprints went in those packs, but, right, right. um, yeah, it, it was, it was something to watch out for, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, I do want to give a shout out to, uh, play fusion for handing those out as promos. Also the, uh, some Halloween packs. Cause that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, had, I, I think they handed them out in just about every event that you could enter there. I didn't realize. So, I knew they existed, but we just real life conspired against us. We didn't. And then obviously the other issues that happened with distributing those cards, I didn't realize they had different frames until I opened one. Yeah. And I looked at it. I'm like, cause somebody opened one next to me <laughs> and I said, what is that? Because it was this awesome looking pathfinder. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, it's the packs we just got. And I'm like, wait, what? So I started <laughs> ripping them all open. And I'm like, these look fantastic. Yeah. I'm really, and I saw the uh, winter ones that are going to be coming out. And those look spectacular as well. Yeah, they, they did a really nice job with those. And it's one of those things I didn't know I wanted it until I saw it. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I said, oh, well, you know, I'll, I guess I'll miss out on it. I'll survive. Now I'm like, no, I got, I got to find these because mm-hmm. these look sweet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely going to be highly sought after. So good luck yeah. collecting those, but <laughs> it'll be fun. It's it, it, it's a good thing. I, and the best part is they made a buff removal and that's going to be valid to play for years to come. So, yes. Yeah, it was definitely an intelligent choice what they included in there. Yeah. All right, Vince, I think we are just about running out of time here. So. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about granite packs, the rotation, anything you want to get off your chest? Uh, I guess the other only other major thing I want to give a quick shout out to all my opponents. I'm not going to go through the list of everybody. <laughs> well, really, everybody at the event also as well. Everybody, as always, at Light Seekers events is really cool. Like I said, it was it was great to catch up with people. It was also great to shake new hands and meet to see new faces at the event Mm -hmm. uh, as well as across you know like i said when we checked in at the play fusion booth and stuff it's from having played card games for a long time uh i can always appreciate and my wife has said this before and it's 
being a woman, it's different for her, obviously, walking into a primarily male-dominated hobby for the most part. And you can see it in other communities where people complain, throw fits, and or, you know, there are other problems that happen. That doesn't happen here, which I wanted to give a quick shout out to everybody because the Light Seekers community is awesome pretty much across the board. I would agree. So that that was pretty much the, I wanted to make sure I got that out there to say thanks everybody for coming out. It was a lot of fun. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Vince, for coming back on the show tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. I it was great seeing you again at PAX, and I certainly hope we can see you again shortly at one of the delivery cab turns, perhaps. Oh, I, everyone that I get the chance, I'm going to be at. Beautiful. We'll see you then. Take it easy, Matt. And there you have episode 53. Thank you, Vince, once again for your taking the time to come back on the show. It was a pleasure as always. And remember, everybody out there, it's a new season, a new year. Lightseekers is still here. So let's go out and show them how much we like to play this game. Show up at those tournaments, whether they're Play Fusion tournaments, whether they're Delivery Crab tournaments, whether it's your local shop having a weekly event. Go out, show people how much you love to play, and I hope to see you at an event very soon. Once again, the show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 053. That's deliverycrab.com slash 053. That's all we got for this week. So until next time, I got some more deliveries to make.